Welcome to the Curious Climber podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Jen Randall, who is a filmmaker based out of British Columbia. Now, I first met Jen, actually, when we were working together on a segment of one of her earlier films, Push It. So I actually met her for the first time at the airport. We shared a car journey to Magic Wood, where we basically got lost because we were talking too much. So we just hit it off straight away. She's a really interesting person to hang out with and talk to. So she seemed an obvious person to have on the podcast. We talk about women in film as subjects and behind the camera as filmmakers. We talk about authenticity, how to balance the needs of the subjects that she's documenting, as well as staying in line with her creative ideas, perhaps managing influence of sponsors whilst keeping true to the realness of the story that she's trying to tell. And we talk about developing trust and people skills. Jen gives us some great stories from a few of her different filmmaking experiences, including trips to Mongolia. We also talk about the process of making a film. So from that idea moment through to the actual film production and what's involved in that process. Jen also gives us a bunch of insight into how to get into filmmaking, if that's something that you want to do. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Cool. So, Jen Randall, I wanted to ask you, first of all, about your journey to becoming a filmmaker. So it's jobs like yours that I'm often think, how did that person get there? Do you know, like, it's not like, okay, I want to be a doctor, I'm going to go to med school, I'm going to do all the associated work and out pops a doctor at the end. Not that obviously it's that simple, but with filmmaking and especially the kind of creative work that you do, I always wonder what led you to that point. Can you give me like a, or the listeners, like a brief idea of that? Yeah. So I, I think one of the cool things about filmmaking is that there isn't a set path. I remember a tutor at uni once telling me like, there's no fixed way to get into this. Go get some life experience before you come and try and make films and things. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I thought, you know, you just study, 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 and out pops a filmmaker, you know. Um, but when I guess when I look back, I always liked telling stories. I was always, like, writing stories and drawing pictures and taking photos and things. And so... After high school, I, well, first I wanted to go to theatre studies. I actually thought I wanted to be an actress. But I think deep down, you know, when you know you're not that good at something, even though you mm. want to be good at it, deep down, you, <laughs> I just wasn't that good. Um, so I ended up applying for art school. And I knew that within art school, I wanted to do photography and video. So I specialised in those two things. And... That was so good. I spent like four years basically like finding my creative voice, you know, which at the time I didn't realize how important that was. Like I kind of found my style. And I'd say that's still the style that really I work with. But towards the end of um, art school, I kind of thought, I don't actually know how I'd fit into a film crew. And at this stage, I thought I wanted to be a director. And I, to be honest, I wanted to make movies like Titanic. Like, I really like those big romantic films. <laughs> um, so that's what I thought I wanted to do. So I applied to film school uh, to go to once I finished university for one year. And I got into Vancouver Film School. 
which was a good one. And I was born in Vancouver, so it seemed like a cool opportunity to come back to this place I, well, lived a, a short period of my life in. Um, so I got to Vancouver Film School and there we did one term of documentary filmmaking. And I just, something clicked. I was kind of like, this makes sense. Like I got so frustrated making the dramas at film school and like faking all the lighting and faking all the set and just everything took ages to stage. Whereas with documentary, it was like, everything's already here and the stories are already here. You just have to go find them. And it's way more, um, what's the word, spontaneous and real. I was like, that's what I want to do. So I kind of worked that out. And then once I graduated film school, I went on a really long rock climbing trip with my now husband. And on that trip, I discovered there were climbing photographers and climbing filmmakers. And then another penny dropped. I was, I was so in love with climbing. And I thought, oh, I could just live and work in this world. So that's what I decided I wanted to do. And when I got back from that trip, we moved to Glasgow and I got in touch with Alistair Lee, who runs Posing Productions, who was making the Asgard project at the time, which is mm. a brilliant film. I think that was 2009. And he really needed help with the editing. He was a bit behind. So I called him and he was on, oh no, I think I wrote to him actually. And then I called him. He was like, you know, I always get these phone calls from people starting out and they always say, I want to do this, I want that, but they never show up and they never, you know, back up their claims. So I was like, okay, I'll come and see you. So I drove to Manchester from uh, Glasgow, knocked on his door and I left with a hard drive full of footage from the Asgard Project edit. Wow. And that was definitely my ticket in. So then I worked for him for a while and kind of carried on from there. Oh, cool. So you actually worked on a lot of kind of someone else's film projects, if you like, that became kind of joint projects before you stepped out into kind of your own purely you self-directed. And what was, was Push It your first just you project? Yeah, Push It. Actually, well, not entirely. So I had made a couple of climbing films, one at university called Mike Loves Gaia, which was about my good friend, Mike, trying to climb Gaia in the Peak District. Mm. And before he tried that, he'd only climbed, I think, E3. But for some reason, he was like, I could do this EH, you know. So we all went down there and he, he actually never got on it on lead. He top roped it. He was like, no, that's enough. But I made this film and that's what I sent to Alistair. I think Alistair was like, yeah, you can edit. Not sure about the rest of it, but you can edit. <laughs> I made that. And then I also made for Alistair, but kind of under my own steam, a little bouldering film called Slice of Squam, which was just me and my now husband, Al, and our friend Tom bouldering in Squamish. Mm. But then Push It, um, yeah, that was my first, I, I, I mean, I want to say big project. When I look back now, it wasn't really a big project, but that was my biggest project to date, mm. where I guess I was like, it's not that I thought I wanted to do something different. It was just that I thought, I want to see a film that's all women climbing. Like, there's there's usually a woman in older climbing films, isn't there? Mm. Like, all these men, and there's like, oh, look, there's a girl, and she climbs hard too. Mm. And I was like, I would just want to see one that's all women. That'd be way more fun. Yeah, because I was looking through 
a lot of your film projects over the years, you know, over the last however many years, and there's a real theme of women. So is that something that you purposefully, you prefer or like to tell the stories of women? Or is that just, it happens that you know, they're all, they're most apart from the Andy Kirkpatrick one. There's yeah, a lot, which is, stands out. <laughs> yeah, 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 it stands out. And I was like looking at them and kind of, I've seen almost all of them and, you know, looking at themes and really the kind of telling women's stories is a big, seems to be a big thing for you. Yeah, I think it's, firstly, I think it's so important when you look at film as a whole and like the Oscars have, the nominations have just come out for this year and there's no female directors that have been nominated for best director. There's so few female cinematographers. I know that's on the up, but still, if you look at the statistics and the big picture, women aren't represented that well on film still. And I know climbing is this tiny little niche, but I felt at that time, I just, it came from this genuine interest. I was just inspired by other female climbers. And also when we were making Push It, my friend Jackie and I were going to try and climb El Cap. So we were like, there's a kind of every woman story, you know, the kind of underdogs trying something. And then, do you know, when that film came out, I was really interested by the reaction. You know, I didn't think people would be quite so excited by an all-female film made by a woman as well, but it got quite a lot of attention, which was wonderful. And then I just, it wasn't like I, I thought, okay, well, here's my ticket. I'll keep going with, with stories about women. It's a genuine interest, you know, Push It led to Project Mina with you. Mm. And that came from watching you climb for Push It in Magic Wood. And I was like, you know, Mina is similar age to me in a similar height and we're not that, you know, kind of similar build and we have a lot in common. Like, why is she so good? And I'm not that good at climbing. <laughs> and that's genuinely where that idea started. I was just curious. I was like, what's the difference here? Right. Because I'm a climber too. Um, and obviously I found out it's the work that you put in, I think is the main difference. See, I'm always looking for stories about women. I just, I find women really fascinating. I love relating to those stories. Not that I don't relate to stories about men, but it's different watching a woman on screen, I think. And also just, there aren't enough stories, good stories about us out there. Mm. And why do you think that is? And I mean, I guess both from the subject point of view, but also you said like not many female directors, not many female cinematographers. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think there's probably a lot of complex reasons. You know, one theory I read was that when film and television was getting started, women were mostly not actually out in the professional field. We were kind of expected to be at home and that's more what our role was. So when it got started, we just weren't there. Mm. That's one theory. So our numbers are lower and we're catching up, but it's gonna take time. Um, in adventure film, I'm not totally sure why it's the case in adventure film because I, for, for me, I was just kind of like, this is what I wanna do, so I'm gonna go do it. And I know there's lots of great organizations that are kind of trying to foster more women getting into this uh, sphere. And I think that's great. But there is this talk, like there is 
a, a sort of tangible barrier or like the men are saying no <laughs> to, to women getting yeah. involved. I don't think that's the case. I think I think it just goes back to this long, complicated history of sort of gender imbalance and inequality. I think mm. what's cool is we're catching up. Yeah. Um, and the more people like you that are out there doing that, the more kind of, I guess, younger people deciding what do I want to do when I grow up, they can see more women in those roles and then try and emulate them or, you know, be their own version. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard to yeah. be what you haven't seen. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And, you know, it's that's interesting you say because for me in my climbing life, you know, working with people like you and the strong female climbers I worked with, I really draw from that when I'm climbing. So I, I guess that's totally the same, isn't it? When you see people doing the job that you would like to do or, or anything. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're not so different. Let's do mm. this. Let's just get it done. Yeah. Oh, cool. So back to Push It which was um, a film where you followed a few different climbers, all female, but also as part of it, you and Jackie were climbing El Cap and you'd never done a big wall before. Is that right? No, never. What made the film really different, at least for me watching it, was that suddenly, you know, the director was also on the screen and that's quite unusual. How is that for you as you're used to being behind the camera? Do you know, in that instance, it felt really natural it just felt like okay me and my friend Jackie are trying to do this big exciting thing you know for us this was like this huge undertaking I think people would like to watch this story it's kind of funny like our training facilities for this big wall were basically a bouldering wall Mm -hmm. and a little crag close by in Glasgow called Dumbarton Rock so it felt like it felt natural. It didn't feel like, "Hey, I'm Jen Randall, and I'm I want you to know about me." It was like, <laughs> "Hey guys, I want to try this thing. Let's see how it goes." <laughs> you know. And then, yeah, my idea was that I would go to other more accomplished climbers to kind of get inspiration as we train for this big goal. So yeah, being on camera and because I was with Jackie, it. It felt natural, I think, because we were these underdogs. It's not like we were trying to show the world how good we were at something. It was kind of the opposite. It was like, we're going to try and learn how to do this thing and maybe we'll manage. And we very nearly didn't. I think the most stressful thing about being in that film was when we got to Yosemite and we we realized we weren't really ready. (laughs) We realized Mm. we probably weren't able to do this thing that I was building this film around and I told everyone in Glasgow we were going to do. And I remember in my mind, I was just thinking, okay, so, so what, how does the film go if we don't do it, if we don't even end up really trying? That was stressful. And I felt like that was going to be embarrassing if we just flat out failed. Um, but yeah, it just, it just felt natural. And I do get lots of people asking me, you know, you put yourself in your film sometimes. How, do, how does it feel? But whatever I do, it just feels obvious for mm. that project. Yeah. And I think it really adds to the feeling of the film as well. Like, because you have, and for anyone who hasn't watched Jen's films, go and watch them. So Jen has a really like a quite, I think, personal style. 
like I really like the style of your films, like the music you use, the kind of edit cuts you do. And I think it was really nice in Push It that we got to meet you because suddenly then your style comes alive almost more because we can see your personality through the the kind of character portrait of you in the film and then it connects to the the kind of creative style of the whole thing. And I feel like that then, like if you've seen Push It or one of the films that you're you're in, as well as behind the camera of, it kind of informs or kind of sets the kind of groundwork for a lot of your work. That's an interesting point, Vina. And you know, um, it might have been a totally subconscious but smart business move as my first kind of bigger project. Because I do remember when I played Push It at a festival called Kendall, I'm sure lots of you have heard of Kendall. Um, afterwards, the um, marketing guy from Mountain Equipment came up to me and he said, oh, I noticed you were wearing Mountain Equipment in your film. Thanks very much. We'd like to give you some free kit for doing that. We appreciate it. And we just, Jackie and I were both wearing it just because that's what we had. But that led to quite a long, good relationship with that company. You know, they got behind other mm. um, films that I made. And I suppose if it hadn't been my face in that film, he might not have known to come up to me. Yeah, so it did yeah. kind of get things rolling. And I think also, yeah, your point about it sort of linking me to my style of work, that to me comes down to this idea of being genuine and being honest in mm. your films and I think when you are genuine and honest about what you're doing the response is generally very kind as well you know it's quite scary being in a film I'm sure you can attest to this but if you are open or as open as you want to be but honest and if you do let some of that vulnerability come through you know, our vulnerability was just, I'm not sure we're ready to climb El Capitan, but we're trying and we're going to give it a go. People get behind you and they appreciate it. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah, definitely. And actually that's something that really kind of threads through a lot of your films is vulnerability. You seem to be able to make people, your subjects feel comfortable enough to show you that. I mean, I had a personal experience with you with that, with like when we made Project Mina and I kind of forgot that Jen was there with the camera and I just felt like you were there and I cried and <laughs> we negotiated the use of that in the film. <laughs> let's, just go, let's just talk about that moment because that is one of the most amazing moments I've had because you'd just competed in a World Cup uh, I think, was it qualifier or semi-finals? Was that semi-finals? Yeah, maybe. And it hadn't gone super well. I can't remember because that sounds like most of my competition rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I remember afterwards, I kind of hung back because I could tell you were upset. And so I hung back with my camera. I was like, I'm not going to get in Nina's face, which I probably should have, you know, been a documentary filmmaker. But I was just like, I'm going to stand back. I went to my hotel room and you came and knocked on the door to talk to me. And I thought, that's amazing that you came and did that and didn't just hide away. Like so many people would just be like, oh, get lost, filmmaker, I don't want to talk to you. But mm. I was so touched that you knocked on the door and just let it all out. That was amazing. But I think the difference is, though, that by that point, we'd kind of worked a bit together. And we did meet first through kind of, working together not in another way but I 
I guess we just got on really well from the beginning. So I trusted you from the beginning. And it was that trust that meant I wanted to come and talk to you and kind of forgot about the camera to a certain extent. Um, but I've noticed that in a lot of your other films that it you you seem to be able to make people comfortable and they seem to trust you. And then that gives your films a really interesting story because people are prepared to be vulnerable. And so you get these kind of honest, raw, quite emotive sometimes um, films. But because your style is also quite lighthearted and kind of funky music and stuff, it's like this really nice juxtaposition of those two feelings so you end up having this kind of quite moving but also really uplifting film experience you know how i feel <laughs> <laughs> exactly basically come out of all your films really confused <laughs> one for example yeah. though like the bothy project was really beautiful like amazing music amazing landscape you follow three women on a short trip to scotland one's a writer one's a painter and one's a wild swimmer and you really get a sense of them in in this landscape and you know they they really open up to you in in that film yeah i i really value uh building trust with people in my films i think it's so, it just sounds so corny but it's so special being let into someone's life in that way like to me that deserves being treated very delicately and it's a special thing you know I don't think there's anyone in my films that, that I haven't really come to care about so mm. I would hate to make someone feel uncomfortable or just kind of be really aggressively in their face you know <laughs> and, mm. um, do you sometimes find though that you end up with quite sensitive film material so like you might end up feeling quite responsible for how that person's betrayed because they've been so vulnerable in front of you and do you ever find that there's a conflict where they're like actually do you know what I don't want that bit to be in but creatively you're like oh my gosh this is gold and like it's really gonna make this film does that happen yeah, that does happen uh in in lots of different ways really it happens all the time and I try and keep a sort of balance in my head of what's really, really, really important and what do I want to push on? You know, like, I think we should really keep this in. This is why it's important for these reasons. And then there's often smaller things that someone might say like, oh, I'd really rather that bit wasn't in or I wish I didn't say that, that I can just step back and look at it and say well yeah that actually doesn't matter if it's not there so we can mm. totally get rid of this or get rid of that and then there, there's just the odd thing that that I often want to push um right now I'm editing a real rock film for uh, Sender Films and that's about Hazel Finley and Maddie Cope in Mongolia putting up mm. First Descent and there is a little bit of a balance I'm trying to strike with Maddie's story because she is this wonderful, wonderful climber who's like a little bit low on self-confidence. So I'm trying to tell that story in a way that A, is true to Maddie, B, fits the real rock style, which is quite kind of fast and entertaining. You know, we don't, it's not too complex. We don't linger on the subtleties of self-confidence and things for too long. And 
see is still kind of easy to understand and entertaining. So you sort of try to strike these balances. I want Maddie to be happy and feel she's represented fairly and correctly, but I need it to work for the film. Mm. So there is definitely that balance between how do you give it, how do you package it for an audience and how do you keep it true? Yeah. (laughs) And that's always tricky. Yeah, I think the term like authenticity gets bounded around quite a lot as this kind of like, yeah, simple, just be authentic. And actually, you know, in a day-to-day life, of course, there, there is a certain simplicity to it. But in the context of making a film, it's kind of quite hard because there's so many different layers. You're pandering to a lot of different people's needs and your own creative needs. There's a kind of story that needs to work for the film to be deemed good. But at the same time, you really want to keep that level of truth and honesty and, well, authenticity. And also that there's that kind of thing of like, oh, well, this person did say this, but does the context in which it's edited make that statement authentic? Like I know for me in film projects, sometimes I've been like, I kind of like that bit taken out, not because it's not true, but because out of the context of how it was said, it could be totally misconstrued. Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. I heard this quote, it was on Desert Island Discs, and it was an interview with a film director who, of course, now I can't remember his name, but he was saying, as a director, your job is to arrange the pieces of the truth as you see it. So Mm. at the end of the day, I feel like my job is to step into someone's life, which I, I think is so special, observe and film and listen and try and do my absolute best to understand that person's story and their truth as it were and then what come away and almost deconstruct it and strip away the bits that aren't completely integral so my job is to step away and then strip it back and leave out the the information that an audience probably doesn't need and just try and build that really central bit of truth into this this new kind of story. Yeah, and I guess to a certain extent then, all the films are from the director's perspective, truly. Yeah, basically. I mean, it depends how much you collaborate, doesn't it? So I've just made um, a film with Sarah Uten about her journey around the world, all human power. She traveled solo mostly. And we, we collaborated a lot on the voiceover for that film. So she was still really processing the journey when we started making the film. So I'd ask her a really simple question, like why did you go on that journey, Sarah? And she'd be like, oh, you know, I wanted to inspire people and share share my travels and stuff. And I'd be kind of like, yeah, but why? So like, why would you choose to do that? It looked really hard, you're gone for so long. And for her, that triggered this whole kind of, oh my God, why was I on that journey? And we really worked together to make sure the whys were were true and she was working them out at the same time so that was definitely something made from her perspective Mm. shaped by me I feel like you and I we're kind of talking about a project at the moment and I feel like we're doing quite a good job so far of making sure it's your perspective and I'm just trying to kind of 
chisel it a little bit, you know. But yeah, I think ultimately the director and definitely the editor as well, they're the authors, right, of these films. So yeah, mm. at the end of the day, it, it is their, their point of view. Yeah. So I guess in your job as well, there's a lot of like people skills. There's a lot of being able to have to and fro with different people who don't necessarily understand the editing process or the creative process or the kind of end vision that you're working towards. It's being able to have those conversations where you, like you must have to be a good listener, right? Like really listening and hearing what people are saying and what they're needing from you in order for them to feel safe, I guess, because actually exposure on a mass media, you know, platform like a film festival or an online film is, it's kind of scary for a lot of people and quite understandably. Yeah, it's, it's really brave to put yourself out there on film. I think that does come back to the, the honesty part of it. Like from my experience, if you are just honest about what you're dealing with and, and that kind of stuff, people respond well, but that doesn't mean it's not scary. I remember when we screened Project Mina at a climbing wall <laughs> early on, I looked over at you one day when, during the interview where you start crying and you just stayed in the corner with your hands over your face. And I was like, yeah, of course, this is really hard for me. <laughs> like, I just said, yeah, she's crying in my movie. That's great. You were like, this is gold. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, that is such a close shot on my face. <laughs> and I'm crying. <laughs> and Sarah, there's a sequence where she gets caught in a storm on the Pacific and she cannot watch that sequence. So she has to leave every time that comes on. What was the question, Mina? <laughs> I've forgotten. Oh, I, I'm not sure there even was one. We, we were just to and froing. Um, uh, oh, I think I think my point I was trying to get to there was I think that comes back to the trust thing. Like people might have seen my work and they would hopefully agree to work with me because on some level there's already some trust mm. that I won't just take them and kind of tear them to pieces. Yeah, there's a certain amount of trust that you'll show someone truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. And and you've been to some pretty cool places for filming as well. Like you've actually done two in Mongolia now, right? Mm. Because there was the first threads from Mongolia and then the one that you're now editing for Real Rock. Does that have a name yet? Are you allowed to say it has a name? I don't I, I'm probably allowed to say. It. I think I don't know. Well we've called it first ascent, last ascent. Because oh. we went out there and put up all these first ascents and then the second person to climb it, we figured, was probably getting the last ascent because no one's <laughs> going to come back into um, Yeah, Mongolia came about, it was one of those funny little opportunities. I was going through quite a low, low patch of life and I was on Facebook and I saw a call saying filmmaker wanted for an all-female expedition to Mongolia. I was like hello I talked about horse riding and watching eagle hunters and I was like there's this little bit of me that's always wanted to go there um so I applied and I got the job and it wasn't paid or anything but I just needed something like that at that stage you know something to like winkle me out of my comfort zone um so I went to Mongolia with all these it was like 13 women who are raising money for a charity called Women on a Mission, which is all about supporting female survivors of abuse and conflict. And they were going around Mongolia basically to get themselves out of their comfort zones and, you know, do this charity work. 
and um, I just filmed it. It was very low key. It was just me, and I made it for the women's adventure film tour. I think that's the name of it. <laughs> it was a it was a film tour, and then while I was out there, I kept seeing all these rocks in the distance, and I thought I really want to come back here. I wonder if we could put up some rock climbs. And I'd always wanted to make a real rock film. And I was like, Real Rock once said to me that they like getting climbers and taking them out of their comfort zones and putting them in strange places. I was like, this would be a super weird place Mm. (laughs) for a climber to come. So I pitched it to them and it took about nine months to get their um, green light and to raise some funding. Um, Again, off we went. And that, that was a challenging trip, I have to say. Mm. Um, it was putting up, so we had three weeks to put out first ascent. So we needed to find some that were hard enough for a real rock film. Um, and we just wanted to find good quality ones anyway. You know, we were there with Hazel and Maddie, who are both great climbers and old friends. The weather was bad and just finding new routes is hard. Have you mm. done any development? No. Oh my God. So I had this romantic idea in my head that we just like swan around and find all these beautiful crack climbs and it was just like hard graft it was Mm. hard hard graft but it was really cool I'm really excited to release that film oh nice that's awesome so with films like that you said it took like nine months for you to get the kind of green light to start working on that project for people that haven't worked on a film or been in a film process, what's it like from the moment you have the idea to getting that film, say, screened at a festival? Like, what's that process? Is it usually you that has the idea or is it a mixture of people coming to you with ideas? It's um, less and less me having the idea, to be honest. I used okay. to have all the ideas. Um, over the last few years, it's mostly been people coming to me, which is really fun and exciting um with Mongolia so that was my idea I basically if you have an idea what you want to do is develop it as much as you can that's the fun part right like Mm. this amazing idea this is what it could look like this is who I could ask to be in it this is where we could go blah 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 and then you want to think about who might be interested in getting behind it and funding it for you with you supporting you Um, I think that's where lots of people get a bit stuck and I've often had emails saying who supported your last project you know maybe they'd like to support mine I'm kind of like well just think about who who would be a good fit you know is it a brand or is it an organization or would it be a good kickstarter so you want to start getting people behind it um, and that's going to involve sending them a you know a beautiful document or a deck or a pitch to kind of get them excited and get them understanding your vision and your ideas. And then it so depends on the project. Um, I think once you've got funding, then ideally you go into some really good development time where you really dig in and work out what it is you want to make, what you want to say and why and how you want to do it. I think that phase often gets skipped over and people jump straight into the shoot. Mm. In my head, often the shoot's like the smallest part of a project. It's like all the development, then the shoot, and then all this edit time. Okay, so actually Um, by the time you come to shooting, you have a very clear idea of specific shots and you've almost like storyboarded the whole thing. 
Yeah, I think that's the ideal. Usually because it's documentary, things will change. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have to adapt, but it's good to go in with a really clear idea of what you're hoping to happen and how you want to to shoot it. And I think the why is so important. Like, why do you want to do it this way? Why do you want to say this? Why is that important? Because then you have reasoning and you have this strong foundation behind everything. Um, So, yeah, lots of development and then... A good positive shoot hopefully where everyone has a great time and it goes well and it looks great mm. and then I love this part of getting into the edit room and going through your footage and that's where everything can just change again because you watch what you have and you've got to be open to what is the actual story you've captured here it might not quite be what you thought it was going to be mm. it might be this other thing and that's exciting for me. I, I could spend a long time editing. With the home with Sarah Uten, we spent a year and a half editing that film. Oh, wow. It just take a few weeks, you know. Mm. Um, the Mongolia film we've been editing for six months now because it's just like this fun kind of wrestle to get it all working right and feeling right. Mm. And then, I mean, it's good to have a deadline so you do finish. <laughs> 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 So having a festival you've got in mind, their deadline is great. So then I enter it it kind of strategically into certain festivals I think will be a good fit and throw in some wild cards, like ones you'd love to get into, but might be more of a long shot. And have a bit of a strategy for where you want it to go. Do you want it to go online for free or do you want people to buy it online? Do you want it to go into cinemas? There's all these different... Uh, strategies that will inform how long your film will be or mm. how it will play and where it will go and, and presumably what the sponsors the people funding it want to see yeah, as an end product yeah it's easy to forget that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and do you find that they want an influence I suppose it's different with different projects but obviously if people are putting money behind something like do you find that they have a creative influence or do you try and really separate that um again it really depends some clients I've worked with say Psycho Vertical with Andy Kirkpatrick the sponsors they just wanted a great film at the end so they really left me to it and that was fun and great and then for Real Rock this time around they have a huge influence and that's partly why I wanted to work with them just to learn about their process and how they do things so they have this yeah they're very involved, so it's completely different. Mm. It just it just depends. I think it can be good if, well, it doesn't have to be a sponsor who gets involved, but it's great to have someone to bounce things off and share ideas and to challenge you, you know, so you don't just get left in a room on your own thinking like, this is the best thing ever, and then you release it and it's not. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you need people <laughs> Yeah, every creative person's nightmare. Like, I think this is amazing, but you've been in your little hole for too long. Yeah, that's the fear, isn't it? Especially when you finish a film. I think we finished Psycho Vertical in the summer, in like June of 2017. And it didn't, it wasn't played until October, the end of October. So there was this real period where I felt like, I finished my film and no one cares. <laughs> you know, maybe it was really bad. I don't know. And then it gets out there and it was fine. 
but um mm. yeah good to have other eyes on your work so that they can keep you on track and do you tend to work on one project at a time or do you sometimes have them overlapping I suppose it depends on the type of like how long the film project is yeah usually I'll have a few things on the go I kind of think that's healthy I don't know about you but if you're just focusing on one thing you can just get a bit fuzzy and a bit stale maybe mm. so usually like if I'm working on something really big and long I might get a couple of short projects in the middle there at the moment I'm working on getting three projects going at once mm. um it's definitely a balance between taking on too much so you're not giving everything the attention it needs but I think it's quite healthy to be kind of chopping and changing around a bit it keeps your brain sharp mm. and I guess like if you're working on multiple projects that means you're working with multiple people so you get all these different perspectives so I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I can imagine that they feed into each other so some projects will help other projects because you'll see something in one kind of person or one documentary that you're filming and be like oh wow and have a penny drop about something else that you're working on potentially yeah totally totally mm. it, they, they do all feed into each other and inform each other and you're like evolving aren't you as you work on anything new so you can take that little evolution with you into all these different films that's exciting yeah. Yeah, yeah. It seems like a lot of your films are, and we've spoken about like your subject showing vulnerability and all the trust that that involves. There's definitely a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of themes about learning and growing and people trying to understand themselves. Like, so like the Andy Kirkpatrick one, the uh, Operation Moffat actually, with them, um, got Claire Carter and Gwen Moffat. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that film. That was quite an interesting dynamic. and But yeah, quite a lot of growing and trying to understand where we fit in with ourselves and our kind of landscapes. Yeah, I think that's because that's just what I'm always trying to do. That's probably what we're all trying <laughs> to do, right? It's like, what the heck am I doing and where am I going and how did this person work it out? I always find that interesting with Operation Moffat. So that came about because Claire Carter, who's a wonderful writer and creative person, got in touch with me and we didn't know each other at the time. But she said, hey, do you want to make a film about Gwen Moffat? Here's a little link to her book. I think it was through a book or something, an article about her. And to be honest, at that point in time, this was 2014 or 15, so just after Project Mina, I really needed some work. So I kind of just said, like, yep, <laughs> I'll do it great right away. And luckily that turned out to be a really interesting project. Gwen was this amazing woman who deserted the army in World War II to become a climber. And she lived this wild life, just stubbornly dedicating herself to mountains, which, you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s was quite unusual for a woman. Mm. So I think Claire had in mind making sort of biopic about Gwen my mind has never been super interested in just telling the story of someone's life but I could see how fascinated Claire was with Gwen and Claire had been reading Gwen's books for years and you know she was this sort of uh, mentor I suppose so my brain was thinking well that's really interesting Claire sort of trying to follow in Gwen's footsteps and learn from her 
So mm. that's why I wanted to tell the story. So I'm like, Claire, I think you should be in this. You know, I think you'd be really good. Claire was like, oh God, I don't know, Jen. Mm. <laughs> like, come on, it'll be fun. It'll be great. And poor Claire, she was amazing. I think it was in the edit where she got really nervous and trying to finish that film. We had the last shot is this really tight shot on Claire's smiling face mm. which again for me as a filmmaker like this is great it's beautiful and Claire was like really I don't know do we have to end on it but she came around she was brave um and it was it was really a shared journey between Claire and I of trying to work out you know Gwen was so she seemed so sure of her path and didn't seem to question the future like I live in she lived in the middle of nowhere, very poor. She never seemed to think, what the hell am I going to do when I'm older? Or what am I doing with my mm. life? I feel like both Claire and I spent a lot of time asking ourselves that and worrying that we weren't doing the right things. So we were trying to sort of take a leaf out of Gwen's book and just be more sure and mm. just move forward and not question too much. Yeah, it's a really powerful message that I think generally as a, well, I don't know, I, I guess in my experience as a society, there's a often a focus on what we're lacking. You know, there's a lack of this, there's a feeling of like not having enough or no, maybe not having enough, but worrying about in the future, not having enough. There's a lot of future worrying. So much. Oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, almost every year around October, I have this crisis where I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? Like, I can't do this anymore. It's not secure enough. What am I going to do next? <laughs> this whole existential crisis. And after Christmas, I'm fine. Yeah. And I want to keep going. But yeah, there's, there is this worry that is, is it smart to pursue these sports and dedicate yourself to wild places? And, you know, is that right? Should I have a proper job? And should I be able to buy a big posh house and yeah all these questions mm. and I think That's it's really funny. interesting for people to know that everyone kind of like it took me a while to realize that a lot of people that I see that seem really together on the outside and have these like amazing careers and lifestyles like I mean you for example like you're a filmmaker you go to all these amazing places and film these people and then show it at festivals like it all looks very shiny right but every October <laughs> in comes the worry I'm weeping in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a sad thought. But, you know, it's that, that idea that, or that understanding that everyone has these doubts. And I think a lot of your film work portrays that kind of realness and it can be really comforting to people. So I think it's really, it's, it's really important and valuable work because it, it can bring people into a sense of community of like, oh, it's not just me and, you know, Claire or Jen or you know or whoever you're watching also asks these questions and has these doubts. Yeah, it's shared experiences, isn't it? Something I've definitely learned from making films is that if you have a question about something, you're almost definitely not alone in wondering about that or finding something interesting. I don't think we're we're not that different, the lot of us. Mm. You know, so there's so much shared experience to go around I think as well like with your writing maybe that's why we got on well working together you're similar you'll share the the frustration or the failure or the work you've put into something I listened to a podcast with you a while ago 
And they pointed that out. They're like, it's very rare that someone shares all the work that goes into Ascend. Okay. And that's something you do. And that, I think that's really interesting. It's not just like, hey, I did this thing. It was easy yeah. for me because I'm a professional. You know, it was like, so this is year three of me projecting this route. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think I might go and get a proper job soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm chipping away. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's cool. I don't know. It's just human, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we see so much nowadays in like the media and social media and all that kind of stuff that doesn't feel that real. And it's important that there's a kind of, that we do get messages that are a bit more real and a bit more authentic. And yeah, Yeah, and the reality is so much more interesting than the, the just highlight reel. Yeah. Yeah. For a start. Yeah. I mean, it's important, but it's also like you say, you're way more interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, we've covered like quite a lot, like most of the stuff I think on my list. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to talk about, go into? Maybe one thing I could say is for people getting started, just get started. It doesn't matter if you have a really cheap rubbish camera, use it. You might make something way more interesting with that than you would if you had the best camera. Mm. And just get started, get your work out there, think about what it is you want to say. Just go, 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 go. Mm. And then have some rest also. Don't, yeah. don't work too hard, but yeah. just get it done. But I guess be prepared to do a fair amount of unpaid work before things take off. Do you know, I'm kind of, I feel like maybe you don't have to do that quite so much anymore, I hope. Um, but don't be scared to do personal work I guess that's kind of unpaid work mm. um to get going you know experiment and work things out on your own before you maybe ask for loads of money yeah <laughs> to <do it> professionally <laughs> I think straight in million yeah. dollars yeah you'd yeah. yeah. half a million um I think the important thing is just if you really want to do it just go for it mm. Is that such a corny line? That wasn't that. It's a corny finish. Should we finish it there with that corny line? (laughs) Just do it, guys. (laughs) Jen Randall, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Useless advice. (laughs) So, if people want to find you, where should they look? Um, Well, I have a website, Mina www.lightshedpictures.com. That's my uh, website. Oh, I'm on Instagram, Lightshed Pictures. Also on Facebook, Lightshed Pictures. Uh, <laughs> there's, 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 there's a theme here. <laughs> Just Google Lightshed Pictures and you'll find yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> Lightshed Pictures. I'll be there somewhere. <laughs> cool. 